So we're going to do run review. Is run review. How's everybody doing tonight? I hopefully everybody is doing amazing. Hey, we've got something new for the whiny medics today. We do? Yes. What do we have? We've never done this before. Never? Never. Wow. And, uh, and well, she's kind of on the phone in a way, but we've got a guest. Hi, I'm Jennifer Schutz, and I'm the lead medic. Hi, I'm James Schutz, and well, I'm the lead medic. And together, we're the Whiny Medics. And it's one of my favorite paramedics. Does she know she's a guest? Yes, she knows she's okay. a guest. We, we we told her ahead of time. Oh. That's how she got on the computer. <laughs> okay. The funny thing is when I say she's one of my favorite paramedics, is she turned really red on the computer. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> Hi, Traeger. This, this is Alicia hey. Traeger. She has uh, been a paramedic for about two years now. Am I right? Two years? Mm -hmm. the yep. only, she went to the Colleen Fire Academy. She started out as an EMT basic with me on the truck. And we ran some of her first calls with me. Every time you take any of my classes, every time I have any good stories with a new basic, it's a Traeger story. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Not only that, but there's some new Traeger stories that we've got that are being created whenever we work together on the truck <laughs> together as par as paramedics it's super awesome i have one of those you know it's amazing to watch you know she's whenever we did the transitioning uh, uh podcast mm -hmm. she was one of the the inspirations for that because watching them watching some of our friends go from being emts to being paramedics and taking over truck you know, it's it's amazing to watch that happen. As you do this long enough in this I love career, watching that happen too. You know why? Why? I'm laugh at them and say, "Now it's you!" <laughs> right. So Traeger's uh, Traeger's going to do our run review tonight because she had a really cool call. Uh, she had discussed it with me before, and we discussed about it. And I was like, "Hey, hey, let's talk about that." And me and Jen have both talked and kind of oh, hinted bad. about it, but we really we haven't talked about it until tonight. So we're going to let the raw emotions and a lot raw thoughts. Uh, about the call come out but first the before first. we start since wait a minute hold on traeger can't partake in the whiny medics common drinking time because she's got a little one on the way yes uh she well, actually she's on shift. yeah she's on shift but uh but that's beside the point today is her last day on shift before she goes to maternity leave yeah yep. she's actually gonna go home and chill out and relax before the little dude gets here Hey, off on a holiday yep. maternity leave, that is like bonus. She's off till like the first of the year forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's Colin, right? Yes, Colin Israel. Yeah, see, Colin Israel. It's going to be super awesome. And Jaden, her oldest son, is going to be super happy to have him there he once he gets the there. He oh, for sure. Excited, yeah. But so we're going to drink without her and we're going to drink for her. Oh. And then once... <laughs> Maybe once the baby gets, you know, gets here and everything else, her and her husband, Tim, can come talk to us and hang out with the whiny medics at the whiny medic table and have a drink with us then. Maybe the table will be done by then. The <laughs> table will be done by then, please. So what uh, time is it? Well, it is wind down time. 
time? Yes. You know what's funny about that whole thing? What is that? There no, is no wine on this table. There is no wine on this table. I personally am drinking a Rar and Sons Brewing Company Oktoberfest beer. Yes, I am going beer tonight because, well, it's beer time and it's at the end of October. So I might as well finish off this six pack. Not only that, but I got to get up early in the morning and go to the deer lease. Yeah. Deer season starts up here at the first part of November. Mm -hmm. What you got over there, Misty? Well, I got over here uh, because I'm dealing with shuts tonight. Oh. And I had a 2 a.m. rough call last oh. night. So I'm drinking. Y'all ready? Whiskey. Whiskey. So I'm drinking Old Smoky Tennessee Mountain Made Salty Caramel Whiskey. It's, it's three fingers with an ice cube. It is three fingers and one ice cube is in that cup. That's how it works. That's how, that's how you drink your whiskey. Straight like that. Well, here's the Traeger. Here's the baby calling. Let's here's, hope I'm still standing at the end of this podcast. Here's the happy pushings. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus, James. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with saying happy pushings. All right. So the reason why this run review really struck me is because Traeger was put into a situation as a new paramedic that a lot of us as paramedics have been there before and looked at it and said, well, what do we do? In this situation, she had two different roads or two different avenues that this call could have ran down. And she kind of took it by the horn and said, you know, hey, we're going to go this route with it. We're going to we're, we're going to look this way. And we may look in and get a good view of the patient and then deviate this way. So, Traeger, remember, we got to leave all that good old hippie, hippie stuff out. Why don't you tell us about the call? Um, okay, so we were dispatched out to a automobile accident. And we were just told, we were, at first we were told it was two vehicles uh, with multiple patients. Um, when we got there, we learned that it was one vehicle with multiple passengers. Um, my patient was, um, getting triaged by one of the crews that showed up and he told me that she was experiencing, um, chest pain and he thought it was because of the car accident and she said she thought it was because of the car seat or the seat belt so she was already hyperventilating she was upset um she didn't want to go with us originally um there were kids in the back of her car that she was more worried about um so we were just trying to get her checked out um i was trying to get her to calm down i was trying to get her away from the scene um, get her into the back of my ambulance just so I can get her to calm down. Um, she finally agreed to get into the back of the ambulance with me. And I hooked her up to the monitor. And I immediately saw that she had elevation in her lateral leads. And it kind of threw me off because she wasn't symptomatic at all. She was having chest pain but it, and shortness of breath. But I thought it was because she was hyperventilating at first. Um, so I. And she was also moving around, so I thought maybe it was just artifacts. So I just asked her if she could stop moving for a minute and let me look at it again. So I looked at it again, and sure enough, she had elevation in all of her lateral leads, and she had depression in her um, inferior leads. So I 
did a 15 lead to see if there's um, any changes. There wasn't any changes. I did a right-sided. There was no changes either. Um, she did say she was having back pain. She said she was having chest pain. Um, she said that she was feeling tingliness in her arm. Um, so I had asked her what had happened before the accident, thinking that maybe she was having a stimmy that caused the accident. Well, she said that the kids in the back of her car were fighting, and she was trying to get them to calm down. Well, she doesn't know how to, um, she didn't know how to put on some kind of lights in her car, so she pulled out her manual to look it up while she was driving to pull over. Um, and when she looked up, she saw that she was going into a fence, so she turned her wheel and went into a ditch instead. So, I'm, I wasn't sure if, if STEMI caused a heart attack or if the, the, um, uh, if the, um, car accident caused the STEMI. Um, so once I got her to calm down, I, I put her on oxygen and had her breathing. I gave her some nitro and I gave her some aspirin. She said that the pain was starting to go away. She still had elevation. Um, but I didn't want to give her any heparin because I was worried about her having internal bleeding. And she's also allergic to morphine. And so I didn't want to start our STEMI protocol if I couldn't treat her properly because I felt at that point it was going to do her more harm than good. So I just go ahead and gave her the aspirin and I gave her two doses of nitro and I just went emergency traffic to the closest cardiac unit. Um, when we got there, on our way there, her elevation was going down and her symptoms had gone away. She was no longer shortness of breath. She still had chest pain, but she was only pointing to where her seatbelt was at. Um, she wasn't feeling any numbness in her hands anymore and no pain in her back. Um, so uh, my I was trying to decide if I wanted to just go ahead and take her to the closest hospital or keep going to a cath lab. Um, I decided that because the elevation was initially there and it was still there, it just had gone down, that it would be better just to go ahead and take her to a cath lab. Um, so that's what we did. And then when I talked to, to the cardiologist, um, he agreed with me on taking her to the cath lab. And then he also agreed on me not giving her heparin because um, we don't know if she had any internal bleeding from the car accident. So part of what uh, our protocol is for STEMIs uh, that we deal with, it is we give Plavix, heparin, uh, and low presser all en route to the hospital. Now, granted, let me give you an idea of where we are. We're rural EMS. And rural EMS practices a lot of, of uh, a lot of medicine on the road. And we're 30 to 45 minutes on a regular basis from a cath lab. Uh, at this point in time, knowing where the call was uh, that, that Traeger had ran, she was about an hour, probably what, an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 20 minutes from a cath lab? I think it, I think it took me an hour and 20 minutes to yeah. get there. Yeah. So you're a lot longer from a cath lab. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. the situation that why this made this so interesting was the fact of now we have two different types of calls here converging into one. Right. And you were, mm -hmm. and, and I think that was the reason why you brought it to me and several of us other experienced paramedics was the fact of. Did you choose the right path? Am I right? Yeah, because I was just, 
it was I really um I really like to look at my calls after I do them um I tend to really I wouldn't say beat myself up over it, but I really do think about it. And when I feel like I might have messed up or I feel like maybe I should have done something more, I like to confirm it because I feel like it it helps me grow and it helps me be more confident in my, de- in my decisions. Um, granted, you know, the people I talk to, it's like, well, I wasn't there, so I don't know what happened, but I would have done this or yeah, I agree with you, but I would have done this. So talking to you guys helps sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't because you guys kind of like. <laughs> yeah. Well, and remember, we're all yeah. different medics too. So, you know, we all kind of look at it. But I mean, I, but I have learned that talking to everybody and going through with it and telling them what my mindset is and what my, what I was thinking, it has helped me make more confident decisions. Um, and it made me feel like, cause sometimes in those calls, you kind of feel like, oh my God, did I forget everything I've learned? Like, why is this not making sense? It's not, it's not adding up. What am I missing here? And it took me, it probably took me a little bit to realize the reason why it was messing with my head so much was because it wasn't a normal call. It's not something that you come across all the time. So I think I was really like confused and I just needed some kind of um guidance from somebody that maybe had dealt with it before and you know I was also an hour away from my station so it's not like I had anybody that was that had maybe gone seen with me it was me and my partner who doesn't know really how to read EKGs so it was me by myself and I was trying to make sure I was making the right decision um for my patient I was also I was trying not to be tunnel vision on the monitor. I was, you know, my patient was stable the whole time, never went unstable. So I was making sure what was the best decision for her. So that's what I did. And I think, I think we get faced as new paramedics and and relatively two years. Yes. You've had pretty decent call volume and you've had some good calls. I know your calls. So, but (laughs) as a new paramedic, we're faced with the idea of having, is this a trauma call or is this a STEMI and which one do we take to treat? And, And do we cut parts of our protocol out to make up for whenever, I mean, by all means, if this would have been a trauma call and she had internal injuries, given her heparin, that sends, that's a whole different bag of tricks that you've got to come up and figure out how to fix, you know, if she yeah. has internal bleeding. But fortunately, you know, we, you, you made the decision to give part of the protocol and made a smart, mm-hmm. educated decision of when would be better. Now, which is more important? Which would, you know, which would be more important to you, ensuring the trauma is taken care of, or is it the STEMI? Mm-hmm. So we got to remember that um, in, in any old school medic is going to tell you that they were taught it's cardiac until it's proven not cardiac, right? Mm-hmm. But back then, I don't think that we gave like the heparin. I don't think her microphone's working. Uh, is it hard to hear? I, I can't hear. She's really static. Like it's like Charlie Brown. <gasps> That's not cool. Hang on. Hang on. I was afraid of that. Because she kind of talked over me earlier, and I thought, oh, can you hear me now? 
Uh, no, it's very, very, very mute. Hmm. How about now? How about now? How about now? Brown cow. Nope. Nope. Hello. 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 Oh God, that hurt. Hello. 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 Okay. Well, it's just going to be a surprise to what I say when you listen <laughs> to it. It's actually recording very well, so <laughs> we'll we'll be able to edit that part out. But so what I was saying. So as I was saying. So all your old school medics think we got to treat the cardiac, mm -hmm. but we didn't give heparin. We didn't give some of the meds that we give now. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's new for us to think about some of that thing. Now my protocols don't have he heparin in them. So, you know, that's not something I, that's in my wheelhouse that I think about when I treat these patients. But my, my thought process is we need, and I actually discussed this with my medical director today. We were talking about it. But we need to fix what we can fix that's most important at the time, mm -hmm. right? So is the STEMI there? Yes. Is it, you know, she gave the aspirin, she gave the nitro, it's lessened. So let's treat what we know about, which is a trauma. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. And, and that's what we've got to look at. Now, the STEMI is present and we see the STEMI, we can, we can verify that it is a true STEMI. You know, we've got, you know, for one, we have ST elevation in more than two lead in two contiguous leads. Mm -hmm. You said there was actually some reciprocal changes on that too, if I remember right, right? There was depression, depression in the inferior leads. Um, but when I did a 15 lead, um, there wasn't any um, elevation or depression in those leads. And on the right side, it wasn't, it was just in the, um, the original 12 lead that had the depression. Right. Which, you know, looking at that, and that's what's really one of those amazing things that we've learned as being paramedics. We're not just doing 12 leads anymore. We're doing 15 leads. We're doing right-sided. We're getting a full look of information when it comes to looking at hearts now compared to what we were doing way back in, you know, even 15 years ago as a paramedic, you weren't, yeah, yeah, you're not doing near as much as we are now. But we look at that and we see that we have an obvious STEMI that's taking place. One way or another, this needs to be treated. Now, is it okay to go ahead and continue with our protocol and, and just you know, not worry about the fact that she was involved in a trauma? You know, is it the stress from the trauma that created the STEMI? You know, it's very simple, very easily, that if she was actually bounced around enough in a vehicle, that she very well could have had a tear that caused an occlusion, called a, caused a buildup of a clot that pain. created. Did she have back pain in this? She had back pain, but it was, um, she, uh, she's first, she said it started off in her upper back, but um, as we were going in route, she said it was mostly in her lower back. Um, just like her, the, when she pointed out where her chest pain was at, she was pointing in the direction of where her, that's where she also had the bruising from her seatbelt. So that's what made it really weird because at first it was like an obvious STEMI. It had all of the symptoms of a, a STEMI. Um, but then when, as you know, after I gave her the aspirin and I gave her the nitro, because what I did was I started the 12 lead. Once I realized that it wasn't an inferior, I went ahead with the nitro and the aspirin. And then I did the 15 lead, and I printed it out, and then I did the right side to print it out. And then when I put her back on the 12 lead and I looked up, I noticed that all the elevation was gone. 
So this had been like at least 15 minutes that I was trying to get everything uh, and look at everything. And then when I asked her what her symptoms were, she still said she was having uh, chest pain, but she was no longer having shortness of breath. Her back pain was only in her lower back and her chest pain was where the bruising was, where she showed me where the seatbelt was at. So that's also what made it a lot more difficult. Did she describe her back pain? And how did she describe her back pain? She said it was like near her shoulder blades and in the middle of her back. She said it was radiating. Um, and then she said it was radiating up her arm. And then the her chest pain was like a crushing pain. Hmm. So no tearing or... I asked her if she, I, I don't think, I think she was too much anxiety ridden to kind of understand what I was asking her because when I kept asking if she was having a tearing pain, she just said no, it just felt throbbing um, and it felt like it was shooting up her back. So I'm not really sure if she felt a tearing pain. She just, the location that she was pointing was around where her shoulder blades were at. So that's why I was going with STEMI, but then when it, when all the, symptoms started to subside um it would just it was just really confusing at that point and and that's that's where taking and and making that informed decision and choosing a route and kind of saying all right you know what we, we've gone you know we're, we're already headed in the right direction and that's i think that's um, ultimately no matter what trauma stimmy the right direction is into a place that's going to have a cath lab. And the good thing is, is most places that carry, that have a cath lab are capable of taking better, you know, taking good care of basic trauma. Um, you mm -hmm. obviously were able to rule out head injury, things like that. And if she needed something such as an internal surgery or something like that, they have that available there at that hospital. So, Yes. Making the the decision to, hey, you know what? I, I don't know for sure, but we're going to go to a cath lab because you very well passed, what, two other hospitals on the way there? Yeah. That we're not yeah, capable. well, also she was, her age, she was also in her 60s and she was also on blood thinners. So that's also what really made me, um, I just wanted her to go to a higher level of care because I didn't want to stop because she was stable at that point and she her blood pressure was great. Her pulse was great. I didn't want to stop and risk her needing a higher level care and not getting to it. I just figured she's stable. I might as well just take her where she needs to go because with her age and with the medication she takes and then now with her symptoms, it would just be better overall for her. And that's something you really have to think about in that particular area because you have a... Mm -hmm hospital that is truly a, a small, uh, I, mm -hmm. I don't want to say uh, minor emergency room. They, now don't get me wrong. I've seen some terrible things go through there and they've, they've taken care of it and gotten it out the door. But my goal as a paramedic is not to, I always try to think about, okay, I'm going to get them to this hospital. Then they're going to have to be transferred out. So there's another ambulance ride, another hospital bill, another doctor's bill. And I don't, I just, I like to just go straight to where I'm going. So that being said, you've got that. Yeah, that's how I am too. Small rule. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to prolong her care if I don't need to. Mm -hmm. And then you've got a pretty decent one, a little about 30 minutes past that, that can handle some things. They're trying to get their stroke designation, things like that. 
And then further mm. in, you've got your other hospitals. Of course, I'm I'm kind of like you guys. I like to go to that other area for my traumas, but you know where you were, mm. that could have been a little difficult. So, well, also, so we were mutual aiding, so I didn't know the area at all. So, um, the people that were on scene that were first like triaging when I asked them you know, where, where's a good trauma hospital around here? Where's a good cath lab? Um, it was either to that one hospital or I can take them where we usually take our patients. And it was the same distance. Uh, I think like, I think the one that was closer, the one that I went to was probably like 20 minutes closer versus the one that was probably an hour and 40 minutes. So, um, I just kind of had to take direction on the people that knew the area versus since I had never been to that area, I didn't know it was there. So. And that just compounds those issues that we see when we're working these one, when you have multiple agencies working in on a big event uh, with multiple mm -hmm. patients on the ground. Uh, and then you have, you know, adding in the stress of, you know, where do we take this patient? This is not normally where my normal ways of being. Uh, my normal place of being, things of such. Mm -hmm. So I really think the, you know, as it comes down to it, as, you know, as we look at the entire picture of this call developing and we see the difference, all, everything leading into different pathways here, uh, it, it makes it for sure interesting to talk about. Um, I discussed the call with you. I discussed or to short links. We didn't yeah. talk to about it too much because, you know, I we mean, we're we, trying not to talk about it. Right. Because, you know, we have a difference, a little bit of a difference of opinion. She would say, am I right? You, you like the STEMI, treat the STEMI. I mean, you know. Yes. But again, mm -hmm. I don't carry the heparin. Right. You know, I don't I don't carry that. I, and I don't carry morphine. You know, so my yeah. protocol would have been aspirin. We don't really give nitro at our service. We have it; it's still in our protocol. But our medical director is not big on nitro, mm -hmm. so I would have given um, the aspirin and um, the fentanyl mm -hmm. for pain is what I would have done. But y'all mm -hmm. use fentanyl yeah. instead of morphine for your for your pain right. as well, right? And, which is a difference in protocols, uh, and which is crazy. Texas has that difference of protocols between literally. 30 minutes between services, totally different protocols to where, you know, you really, you have that broad range of what you can actually do as a treatment here where, you know, so looking at it, we see that, okay, so treating the STEMI where us, if she's already on blood thinners, giving her the heparin is only going to make it worse if she is actually having internal bleeding. If she's showing that she has bruising from a seatbelt already, then the risk of internal bleeding is there. Do we want to push a heparin, which we know this is going to make her bleed? This is that's the purpose of it is to create the to, to decrease that clot size, to move blood past that clot to help the heart, to decrease the workload and help produce provide oxygen to that part of the heart. That's our purpose behind it. Well, is it going to help her if she's bleeding out internally, you know? I mean, so let's look at it another direction. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if y'all carry it, but we carry TXA. Yes, we do. So what mm -hmm. if you had a medic who didn't do that 12 lead first off, but noticed Ooh. the internal bleeding and then gave the TXA Ooh. before doing the 12 lead? Exactly. Or didn't think about it mm -hmm. and gave the TXA... How many times have you been on a call on a on a car accident that doesn't seem that the, that it's that big involved 
that you didn't do a 12 week. Yeah, I, I can tell you, I did a motorcycle mm -hmm. wreck and we were away from the truck and I was, you know, we had a, a wonderful standby person with an umbrella over us because it was so hot and my, my patient was going downhill fast. And we were trying to get IOs. We were trying to get, you know, EJs. We were trying to get whatever we could get on this patient um, with a really low blood pressure. So uh, we did. I had another uh, ambulance service show up before my flight crew got there. Uh, I was in Mason. <laughs> um, Way so, out there. Yes. You know, not my county at all. And, um, and we gave the TXA without a 12 lead. Mm -hmm. So, but, mm -hmm. you know, I did ask pertinent questions you know did you have chest pain did you you shortness of breath asked a lot of questions and no i mean he was he was very to the point on why he went off the roadway and I, he knew what happened there was no mm -hmm. other pain other than well there was no pain because he couldn't feel anything from his waist down but so. the number of calls that i've ran on car accidents and not done a 12 lead you know i numerous I, uh, numerous yeah. i mean i could i couldn't count them all and that's one thing i could say as being a new medic Taking the time and saying, wait a minute, let's get a big picture. Let's rule all this out. This is what makes Traeger one of my favorite medics <laughs> is because she looks at the big picture. You know, she see, she wants to know as she wants to soak up as much information about that patient before she makes a determination on what she should do. Well, we've said it on here before and you and I've talked about this numerous times. You know, I can find a reason on every patient that I run on to do a 12 lead. Yeah. And that's that. They fell. They it. tripped over the rug. Why mm -hmm. did they fall? Do you, do you know for sure they just tripped over the rug? The rug's not turned over. What if they fail because they had a sinkable episode? Why was that? Right. And that's happened. Mm -hmm. so. You know, they thought it was a simple fall. No, it was it was a cardiac event. All right. So mm -hmm. here's what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break right now. We're going to take the break. We're going to come back here shortly. Uh, and when we come back, let's discuss uh, how the call ended up. Did you ever figure out, uh, you know, make sure we see how the ending results would if we found any follow up information. And then at that point in time, once we do that, we'll discuss a little bit more about the uh, about, you know, the difficulties and what made that the most difficult part for Traeger. And I think that's, you know, I think she did a great job on the call. Yeah. Now, I think that's for sure. Mm -hmm. So I want to discuss what, how she, how it felt for her to make those decisions. So we'll be right back. Yeah. Hey guys, James here. Are you looking to recertify your NREMT? CE Solutions NREMT program is an all-inclusive and will give you all the course required by the NREMT for recertification. Whether you're an EMR, an EMT, an advanced EMT, or a paramedic, CE Solutions has a package for you. Visit www.ems-ce.com for more details. All right. So, and we're back. So, you know, so what we want, we want to talk about when we get back is the outcome of the call. Did you, Were you able to find up any of the follow-up on that, Traeger? Um, I didn't get a follow up on like what had like uh, what they diagnosed there with it or anything. Um, but when I dropped her off, I was there for a good twenty minutes. Um, they had art. They had done their own EKG, and they agreed with me that she was having a lateral MI. Um, the doctor had actually agreed with me on not giving her heparin just because of the nature of the call. Um. Uh, they were taking her to a cath lab. Um, the last I heard was that she had a CT scan done and it didn't show any internal bleeding. 
Um, as for what they found in the um, the cath lab, I didn't. I never was able to find out. But ultimately, they they and that's always a good feeling when you make a decision, and then you turn around and drop them off at the hospital. And and the cardiologist says, "Hey, good call. You know, you did exactly what should have been done, right?" Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. the relief that you did you get relief about your decision making on your way there from whenever the cardiologist gave you that information? No, it took a few days. <laughs> you know, but that's that's a good thing. You know, a good paramedic is going to be one that always questions when they get back to the station. They look at the call again and they say, hey, what could I have done better? Because we can always do better. There's no there's never a time when we look at it, even picking up a, you know, a regular a regular writer and taking them to the hospital. We can always do that better. Are we friendlier with Mm -hmm. them? Could we can we be, you know, hold their hand a little bit longer? Those things like that. We can always do better on calls. There's always a, always room for improvement. The minute that you find that you're not ready to improve on a call, then go find another job. Find something else to do because this yeah. is getting old. You know, you're not going to make it very farther than that. But, you know, and, and then if you're willing to look at that call and say, hey, what did I do? And you, I know you and you, you brought it to me. You brought it to several of us others to get our input from it. And, and, you, and you thought about mm-hmm. all the ways that we do things. Yeah, that's that's yeah. That's one of the interesting parts about having that phone a friend, phone a medic that we can always get a hold of, uh, that we use to say, "Hey, this is what's going on. What do you think I should do?" You we know? all have that person for sure, uh, and and that's the benefits to yeah. that. So when you and that's what I needed. I needed to talk. I just needed to. I, it's not that I wanted somebody to tell me what to do. I just needed to feel like I was on the right track because I have been very notorious on getting very weird calls to where it starts off as one thing and it completely goes downhill to where it just messes with my head for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And this was one of those calls. So I needed, I just needed somebody to, to kind of say that they were in the same wavelength as I was that they were like yeah I was th- I would think the same thing you would um just because it makes me feel like okay I'm not that far off right um it helps it helps me and that and that's exactly right and and that not only I mean but that's what we should be using each other for and and I know there's places and there's times where people just like I can't believe you did that on that call you know, and, and people mm-hmm. want to bash other people for making call decisions. That's the worst thing. We all do this job because we enjoy it and we like to help people. And bashing each other on the call, that doesn't work at all. It doesn't benefit anybody. When you go to somebody and you're looking for a critique, you're looking for a run review, which will be awesome. It'll be funny if your actual call gets pulled for run review, especially <laughs> since uh, <laughs> your EMS coordinator knows about the call and everything else. And I already told him you were coming to the whiny medics first. <laughs> but, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, I made sure I got cleared. I got cleared for this. Don't worry. Uh, because it's so close to home, I want to make sure that we're taken care of that way. But I really like the idea of when we are stuck in those situations where we don't know and and we just need the reinforcements contacting somebody to say, hey, are we going the right direction? And somebody picking up the phone saying, man, you're doing the right thing. Just keep doing what you're doing. Get them to the hospital. You know, and there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that. That's what we should be doing to each other. But 
when you got reinforcements of a cardiologist saying, hey, you did the right thing, you gave the aspirin, and I've seen the results of our STEMI protocol to where it mm-hmm. will, it will, it, it'll straight fix, and you could attest this, I'm sure you've seen it before, Traeger, elevation disappears. Mm-hmm. By the time we get them to cath lab, yeah. it's gone. You know, and and that's how nice that protocol is because we're so far out, we're able to perform those things and do those things. Um, we work very closely with some cardiologists to to achieve that pro, that protocol, and it works well. It preps them for their cath lab, but at the same time, you dropping off at some place that is not our normal cath lab with not our normal cardiologist who may have a slight variation to the way they do their cast. Maybe they don't use heparin. Maybe they use a different drug. Mm-hmm. They use the Plavix or they don't use Plavix. You know, you don't know. So going back to yeah. the good old days of nitro, what was it? All chest pain met Mona, or as nowadays they call mm-hmm. it Fona, because <laughs> they use they use fentanyl instead of morphine. Who thunk of that idea? <laughs> Sorry, Doctor Ratcliffe, love you. <laughs> but there's a lot of us who are using fentanyl instead of morphine. Tons of people. That's what they're using it for. And but using oxygen, nitro, and aspirin, those things that yes, it seems like a basic call as a paramedic achieved what they were supposed to do because her elevation had decreased by the time she made it to the cath lab, you know? So yeah, my question is, is, is as a new medic making those decisions while you're making those decisions, did you feel confident in what you had seen enough to get you to where you were going? Um, in the moment I felt confident cause I've, um, I've learned how to, kind of remove myself out of my head to where when I make decisions to go ahead and follow through with it. It wasn't until after the call when I started thinking about it that I started doubting myself. Um, so that's why it kind of took me a few days to kind of um, to decompress and actually think about it and be okay with my decisions because um, in the moment I knew what I wanted to do, but then when I'm sitting there going over it and writing my report, that's when I'm thinking like, Okay, did I do that right? Did I make a mistake? Did I was I thinking about this the right way? So that's when I started talking to people because I was at that point I was inside my own head and I was like, okay, I need to I need to make sure that I I didn't just completely like get tunnel vision anywhere. Yeah, and, and, and you know that, that's funny that you put out there that the, the decompression part just kind of makes it to where you can actually start to feel confident with the decisions you make, and and, and I think that's one of the things in EMS that we that we are going to have as a discussion at some point in time is that decompression time and how we're trying to stretch that decompression time out a lot further for these calls like this one. We're making, and ultimately, this is a life or death decision that she's making, you know, on do we go right down the road here or do we take them that hour and 20 minutes to get them to where they need to be? Because without doing a 12 lead, a basic car accident could have gone probably five blocks away from where the car accident was or so, you know, potentially and dropped off and said, all right, I'm done. I'm, you know, good for me. You know, we're we're done with all of our, you know, Mm -hmm. what we have to do. But in reality... That's not what this lady needed. And ultimately, I, if she doesn't do it, I will come back and do it. I'll tell you, you saved her life that day. And if you want to chalk that up as one of the things that you've done, 
when you, you I remember way back in the days, you're like, so how do we save people's lives? Well, this is how you do it. It's the hard decision and following through with it. Yeah. Uh, even though you got so many things that may not be stacking up the proper way, you know, and it do, it's not normal. That's the thing is this is not a normal call for no. us. Um, yeah, I had to talk to numerous, I had to talk to our EMS coordinator because I just, it, it was really just bothering me because I, you know, one, it was a weird call. Nobody that I had talked to have ever dealt with that before. So, you know, I just, I kind of felt lost because I would, you know, because I would tell people and they were like, well, I would do this. And then you kind of like, well, I still don't agree with you, but I understand. And it kind of makes you doubt yourself because these are people that have been a medic way longer than I have. Um, and I tend to like, I mean, I tend to kind of go deep into, I, I want to, like, I, I investigate like after, I want to make sure like I made the right decision because when I come across it again, I want to know that like, at least I was on the right track at that point. Um, but even when I talked to my, my EMS um, coordinator, he told me that he agreed with my decision. Um, so that helped me a lot because I was really, really nervous and I was really, really antsy for a few days because I just felt like I had, um, it just made me wonder if like, if I did the best for my patient at that point. Well, again, remember that these older medics were taught something a little different, right? So every yeah. paramedic class learns something new that we're evolving in our education and that's what I was saying earlier, and you probably didn't hear it, was old school, you were taught everything's cardiac until proven otherwise. And mm -hmm. we didn't give Plavix, we didn't give heparin, we didn't give all these other things that we now do. So some medics, they've never had that protocol where you have. Mm -hmm. So it, it just kind of depends on what was going on, what the situation is. You know, like, like we've, we've said a hundred times, there's never a black and white. It's it's mm -hmm. always a, a shade of gray because it depends and everybody's different. An ugly shade of gray at mm -hmm. that because, it, it, you know, and that's the inch. And I think that's what keeps us who are in EMS for long periods of time, keeps us coming in every shift is after that downtime, we're ready to come back and look at those new challenges of each call. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the thing with mm -hmm. the new young EMTs that we got to, just like we talked about the you know, week last week, you know, what we need to encourage them is because it always changes. And then once you get to this level and you're now a paramedic and you're seeing multiple different things on one call that you've got two different ways and you've got to make a decision. The mm -hmm. only thing besides, besides schooling and knowledge that you have to go on is just a gut feeling. And, and, and you have to have something there to make that gut feeling work. Mm -hmm. Um, I think all in all, I think it was an amazing call. I think it was, uh, as yeah. soon as you talked to me about it, I was like, oh, this would be great for, for run review. I'm <laughs> so glad that you were willing to come onto the, uh, on the podcast and talk with us about it. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, uh, and by all means, I, I do truly believe that you are one of my favorite medics. I have a couple of them, <laughs> but, you know, Thank you. you know, but ultimately I think she did a great job. I do too. Yeah. I, I think, I think the following the treatments wise, I think it alleviated a lot of problems as well as did it in a safe mode for the patient. And you made me think, because like I said, we don't, we don't have those protocols, but yet I'm about to move to a department that does. 
So mm-hmm. once I started kind of doing some research on it and looking further into it, I changed my mind. You know, I was that, oh, it's cardiac till it's proven not. And then more, more that I looked into it and what, what your protocol was and how you would deal with it and what their contract indications were to those meds that that changed my mind when when you change when you change adding medications that we are giving the advanced medications that are normally given in a hospital they're not given pre-hospital form Uh, you know you talk to some nurses and doctors and say yeah i give freely i give heparin on a cardiac stimmy call and they look at you like you do what Holy shit. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. It's because uh, you got to cuss every every podcast now. Gosh. (laughs) Sheesh. We got a pregnant woman with us. I can't even cuss then, man. Sorry, baby Colin. But anyways. Oh, whatever. He's heard worse. (laughs) Yeah, you are in a firehouse. I know better. Well, no, I'm his mother. So. Yeah, I have to say your your little Facebook things where it says hit the space bar to finish your sentences, yours are always way weirder than mine. <laughs> so for being our first guest mm-hmm. and for allowing us to use your your call and kind of throwing you out there uh, to everybody, I am going to give her the very first whiny medic sticker. Heck yeah, duh. Okay. I may have something else actually. We got a little yeah, wine glass something. over there. Well, I appreciate it because I remember when I was a basic and I remember on a few calls where I was so angry with Shuts on the call that you would come over and he, he would have me talk to you of what I was, why I was so mad at him because <laughs> nothing followed anything that I had learned. And uh, just talking to you and like you telling me like, like letting me talk out what I was thinking and then like kind of putting it together. It kind of helped me when I became a medic because it made me realize that like, you know, there's book where I always tell um, people that when you go to paramedic school, you've got medical school is like reading a book. And then when you're out there, it's like watching the movie. There's, there's n- none of it, none of it matches up. Yeah. No, it doesn't. So, yeah, so you should uh, off-air ask Shuts about the time that he tried to tell me why I shouldn't have given a medication to a patient and see how that went for him. <laughs> oh, that's a whole different conversation. All right, well, look, I'm going to finish my beer. I'm going to let Traeger finish her shift. Well, Mama, you have a good maternity. Hopefully, why after the baby's born, y'all, you and Tim could come hang out with us, and we'll do another podcast together, doing something fun. Uh, but other than that, I'm gonna go finish my beer. No, I'm gonna finish my. I may give you another one since we are sitting here at the house, and I'm not mm. at the deer lease. Oh, you can go that deer lease. Get the whole bed to myself. <laughs> you guys have a good night. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye.